You're listening to the FBC Clarion podcast. Today, we're excited to have guest speaker Cliff Jenkins from our own Baptist Resource Network. Uh, Cliff Jenkins and his wife are moving to California. His new position is still with the SBC, um, but he's moving to Gateway Seminary to be the Associate Professor of Leadership Formation and the Associate Director of the Doctor of Ministry program. Welcome, Cliff Jenkins. So we had an introductory this morning. I want to read to you from a devotional that someone shared with me a couple of weeks ago. Interestingly enough, they shared this devotional with me the same week I preached on the, one of our isms, the them-ism, where we were looking at the ethnic prejudices that the church has struggled with. The devotion reads this way. Henry Nguyen defines community as a place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Often we surround ourselves with the people we most want to live with, which forms club or clique, not a community. Anyone can form a club, but it takes grace, shared vision, and hard work to form a community. The Christian church was the first institution in history to bring together on equal footing Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slaves and free. The Apostle Paul waxed eloquent on this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. By forming a community out of the diverse members, Paul said that we have the opportunity to capture the attention of the world and even the supernatural world beyond. That sounds okay, good, and all. And maybe we ooh and ah at the wisdom of this devotion, but my question is, can we, and more importantly, will we apply it? We need to remind ourselves that we need to strive for biblical application as much as we do for biblical learning. I have wondered, because the Bible doesn't really tell us, how the church, the early church, handled the important cultural events from these diverse groups. For example, the Jews had lots, had, had a whole set of festivals that they observed. After becoming Christians, did they still in some way commemorate Purim and Sabbat and Hanukkah? Did they still in some way recognize bar mitzvah even though they were now members of the Christian church? I highly doubt that they, they ejected that from their lives completely. How about the Gentiles? I'm absolutely sure they too had these types of events in their traditions. Did they continue in some way as well? I've often wondered if, the, if their practices may not be the very foundations for some of the things we do today, like Christmas and Easter. These events, these memorials, the holidays, are important to us, and they're very much part of our culture. Today, as you may know, is Juneteenth, and maybe you are like me, and this word is new to you. I had not heard of Juneteenth till just a couple of years ago, to be quite honest with you, and I had no idea what it was about. Part of the unity that we're called to strive for is an understanding of people different than ourselves. We, can we recognize a day that to many of us probably has little real significance? Probably didn't even know it existed and still may not be unclear about what it means. But we have brothers and sisters who it is a significant part of their lives, their traditions, and their experiences. So in an effort to apply the very things I've preached on, unity and understanding, 
I've asked my brother, my friend, my very good friend, to share with us today. And I am very confident that the Lord has led him in what he will share on Juneteenth. To help us, though, understand the freedom we all have in Christ Jesus. So I asked Cliff Jenkins, Dr. Jenkins, the recent new Dr. Jenkins, to come join us. Cliff uh, has served as the state director of missions with the North American Mission Board for five years in Pennsylvania. Before that, he was a church planning catalyst. I had to get him here soon. I've been wanting to hear him preach and invite him in for a number of years. Cliff has been very influential in my own personal discipleship and growth, especially dealing with my own themisms that I've had to deal with in my past. He will be moving to California later this summer to take a position at Gateway Baptist Theological Seminary, which is one of our SBC seminaries, and he'll be the assistant director to the Doctorate of Ministries program. His wife, Michelle, of 34 years, is sitting with us this morning. He has two grown children, Christopher and Stephanie, and with that, I ask my friend to lead us in the word. Thank you, my brother. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right, give me a minute to get situated here. I'm used to being able to move. You know, it's hard to hit a moving target. <laughs> Amen. All right, we're going to be in the uh, book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21 today. And I'm going technology route this morning. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Hunter. Okay, there you go. All right. This is truly a, a ba- I always know I'm in the Baptist church when I come here and there are more people sitting in the back row than there are in the front row. You know what? <laughs> but, um, but, but thank you, Pastor. It's an honor uh, and a privilege to be here. And... Uh, What I want to spend time talking about this morning is uh, the title of the message is Released to What? Released to What? And what we want to do is start, and we know today is Juneteenth, and we're going to be focusing on that, but we always, always have to focus on the Word of God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to get some amens this morning. All right, all right. (laughs) Um, Normally, I bring my own amen section, but this morning, you know, it was a little bit of a longer drive, so... I'm glad you guys are going to help me with that this morning. Uh, But uh, Merriam-Webster defines freedom as saying it is the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Goes on to give a second definition that says it's liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another. And so we, we, we we think of freedom a lot in this country. You know, what, what, and, and a lot of the political debates now, we're talking about our freedom to, to you fill in the blank. I don't want to get too distracted from the message this morning, but, but freedom's important. And, and just around the corner now, we, as we celebrate Juneteenth, right around the corner is the 4th of July where we celebrate in this country our independence. And so the, the thought is, is that, and, and I'm going to touch on a couple different things. I hope I have some Bereans in the house here today. Because the thought is you're going to have to go home and study some of this for yourself. And, and in reality, you should be doing that every Sunday. And whether it's me standing up here or, or Pastor Hunter or whoever is here, that you should always be going and seeking the Lord and seeking the word to read for yourself what thus saith the Lord. But scripture, as, as I understand it, we, we talk about having a freedom. But, but from what I see, is that we have two choices. 
we can either serve a living God or we can go to hell. If we, to make it plain, the thought is we have those two choices. And many Americans, many people in the world believe that there's some type of middle ground that they can exist on that, well, you know, I'm not a Satan worshiper, but, but I haven't given my life to Christ either. And so I can just exist in this middle ground. And, and maybe if I die before I make a decision, that maybe, you know, God will look at what I did in my life and maybe make a decision and, and say, well, you know, come on in. You know, you, you weren't really uh, running around with, with 666 tattooed on your forehead. You really weren't running around doing a whole bunch of evil things. Come on into the kingdom. If that's what you believe, then you're in for a, a rude awakening. Amen? amen? It's hard to say amen to, but it's reality. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to recognize that he is the Son of God, that he is the only way back to the Father. And that we are, as the scripture would say, like filthy rags when it comes to who we are apart from him. And so we have to understand, if you understand that there's no middle ground, you recognize that, that we, when we're released from our sin, when we're released from all of those negative things in our life, and we actually come into a relationship with Christ, we're released to walk with him. We're released to a life with him. We're released to eternity with him. So when we think about freedom, it's not always as you would see it on TV where I have the right to just to do whatever I want. Because we're either going to be serving the enemy or serving the savior of the world. And those are our two choices. So understand, and what I'm trying to do is just set some basic groundwork so as we go through the scripture this morning that you'll be able to follow along and understand that there's, first of all, there's no middle ground. So if there's no middle ground, then let's talk about what else is going on. And that brings us to the scripture this morning of Luke chapter 4. And um, read it from the ESV. And the word of God reads, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout, through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And then he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the, Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And, they, and he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Sometimes you wish you could get a sermon like that, right? Stand up, get a couple verses, and boom, you move on, right? <laughs> but not today. <laughs> what we need to be able to, to think about is, is that... First thing you should always you should understand is that the attendant did just, just hand him any old scripture. The, the scripture is from Isaiah 61, and Jesus chose that scripture to read. He chose it because it was the start of his ministry. He chose it because 
he was proclaiming what he was sent to do. Yes, sent to die on the cross, but there are some other things he had to do that involves us. And so when we take a look at the, the scripture, the first it says he was preaching good news to the poor. He was preaching good news to those who were economically oppressed and disillusioned. He was proclaiming release to the captives, release to those who were, were less fortunate than others, those who were blind and oppressed. And, and if you ever, you ever, you know, you stick around and you get a little bit older in age, you start to get some infirmities and some things where you, you can't do like you used to do. Amen? That was a little low. Amen? It was a little struggle for me getting about out of bed this morning. And the thought is, is that there are some things that, that you can be held captive with. If, if, you, if you have ever had a battle with cancer, if you ever have any other type of physical challenge, it'll hold you captive because there'll be things that you want to do or used to be able to do that you're no longer able. And so when Jesus was reading these scriptures, it talks about a, a release. Twice the, the Greek word, a Greek word is used that talks about releasing of the captives. And it's not talking about setting prisoners free necessarily, but those who have had some type of infirmity. And we have plenty of instances where Jesus went around in the scripture and he was healing the blind and those with other issues that were holding them back from being who they wanted to be and could be. And so Jesus said he was setting them free. He was setting free the oppressed, releasing the oppressed, the, the, um, the broken. And it was an act of freeing them from what was holding them back. But now, I want you all to understand here, just a little teaching moment. Sometimes we look at Scripture, and yes, Scripture is inspired by God, but just understand that the punctuation is not. Amen? And so when we read the Scripture, we go, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And it puts a comma there. And then it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And while Jesus undoubtedly did some of that, Removing that comma allows us to see the scripture a little differently. Because when we remove that, we realize that the spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. Jesus is saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. So he's, he's undoing some things that have been done that needed to be corrected, right? He's releasing some things to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So all of those groups that Jesus was liberating, that he was, was releasing, they were released to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? Amen. And, and if we want to say that fancy word of the proclaim, what in the world is the year of the Lord's favor? Well, the year in the Lord's favor is really the age of salvation, which is what we are living in right now from the period of time where Jesus said it was finished on the cross to, to right now at 11.09 a.m. on June 19th, 2022, we are still in the age of salvation. Amen? Amen. You get a little accustomed to it because it's like for those of us who have been walking in it for a while, it's like, yeah, I'm saved. Amen. But for some people who just got saved yesterday, there's a louder amen because you know, you ever go rushing to a store, going somewhere, and you think you're not going to make it in time before it closes, and then you get in right at the end, right, and you get yourself, and you get out, you're like, I made it. There's going to come a day where the age of salvation will no longer be active. We don't, and, and it can end in one of two ways, either when the Lord returns or when we die. Amen? 
So if you're sitting here or you're online and you have not given your life to Christ, there's one of two ways at age of salvation that door closes. And so the thought is, is that Jesus is saying he is setting people free to go and proclaim the age of salvation. So guess what, fellow brother and sister in Christ, we have a responsibility to do. That we should be proclaiming the age of salvation to anyone and everyone we come into contact with. Amen? Rhetorical question. Who was the last person that you shared the gospel with? Do you know their name? Do you remember when it was? Was it longer than six weeks ago, six months ago? Hopefully it wasn't like 1947. Seriously, think about that. Because we, you, we all stand here and the, the thought process is we come together as fellow brothers and sisters to learn about the word, to grow in the word, to become more and more like Christ so that we may go forth and proclaim the age of salvation. If you still have breath in your lungs, it doesn't matter if you are 8 or 80, you can still go out and proclaim the good news of Christ. It's something that we're supposed to all do together. It's not Pastor Hunter's responsibility. I mean, it is his, but it's not his alone. Amen? It's it's something for all of us. Because guess what? There's some people that that you know and and that God put the spirit in, in you for you to reach someone that he might never be able to reach. Did you ever stop and think about that? Well, we have to get to the point where the gospel stops becoming a cul-de-sac in our lives and becomes a highway. To where we're able to not only just have it end with us and we, we get on the cruise ship of salvation and we're like, whew, I'm just going to get my little chair set up here. I'm going to order a drink, you know, lemonade. And I'm just going to sit down and I'm just going to relax because guess what? I got saved out of the water. The sharks didn't eat me. I've received salvation. I'm going to have eternity with Christ. So I'm just going to sit back and soak it in. That's not what he's called us to do. We should be jumping back in the water trying to save others. Amen? And if you can't swim like I can't swim, then you get another smaller boat, and you go and you try to find others who are not saved to bring them into the boat to help them experience eternal life like you have. Amen? Because Jesus didn't just save you for you. He saved you to be a light unto the world. Amen? We're in trouble because that wasn't in my notes. (laughs) So as we think through this, as we think through the scripture, um, if, if, if you take, go, let's go back to Luke, and, and as you read through the scripture, as you read through that, uh, good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Can you hear yourself in there? Think about yourself before. If you're here and you're saved and you're good with Christ, think of yourself before you got saved, before Jesus Christ was the most important person in your life. Do you fit the description in? Can you see yourself in, this, in those verses, in, in verse 18? Hopefully you can. Either spiritually or physically, you were there. Because without Christ, you were spiritually blind. 
Because without Christ, you were spiritually oppressed. So I just want you to know that you, be, you need to be able to see yourself here in this text because he's talking to us today. Amen? Just as much as he was speaking to those when he stood up to proclaim what he was about to do, he's releasing, you know, I always say God is about more than one thing. He was touching lives and changing people because he was setting the gospel in motion. Amen? And, and it's still moving today. Simply because it has not been moving in your church or in your household does not mean the gospel still isn't moving. But the good news is, the additional good news is, it doesn't mean it's too late either. That today can be your day of being released to proclaim the age of salvation. You guys can, and before we're done, we, you guys, I'm going to give you several reasons to celebrate Juneteenth. Amen? It's, it's not just a black thing. Amen? You, you have to understand that God is always about more than one thing. It's not just, it's not just a celebration time for ancestors of, slave, of, of people who were former slaves. It is freedom for all of us. And so Jesus is releasing us to go out, and as he releases us to go out, We're going to pause there for a second. We've been released to go and, and proclaim the age of salvation. But let's take a look back because in order to understand your future and, and what you need to do in the future, you have to sometimes understand your past. And so let's take a few minutes to talk about history because in many ways our, our past shapes our future. Amen? So you sometimes have to go on Ancestry.com and get a little sense of what happens or talk to some people that are in your family who've experienced some things to understand some trajectory, and it'll give you some perspective. Amen? And so we're going to start with slavery because we're focusing on Juneteenth. We have to first understand some things. Like I said, I want to lay some foundation. And one of the things we have to make sure we understand is that as you read the Bible, biblical slavery is not American slavery. I think I need to say that again. <laughs> Biblical slavery is not American slavery. Those are two completely different things. And, and you know, if you, if you stop and think of it, Paul, always, he considered himself a bond servant or a bond slave of Christ. And uh, if you, there are some things that in, in the Bible, in biblical slavery, a slave could do that in American, what they call chattel slavery, was not possible in most cases. And the first thing is that uh, in the Bible, a, a biblical slave or biblical servant is a better word I like to use, but I'm going to stick with slave for today, is that they could, a, a biblical slave could marry, could own property. A biblical slave uh, was not forced to have their family separated. A biblical slave was not what was for a specific term, not for a lifetime sentence. A biblical slave in the Bible was not born, one born into slavery. It was something where you had, if, if you had a debt you wanted to pay off, you could become a slave of Best Buy. If you wanted to go buy a PlayStation 5 or a big screen TV and you didn't have the money, you could work it off. Amen? And once it was paid off, your debt was done. You are no longer that slave or servant. Go home, study the word of God. Sometimes we have to turn off the TV and the networks and open up the word of God to see what does God say? 
What does the word say? Not necessarily what just does the pastor say. I'm challenging you. Go home, read scriptures. Go in the back. There's a concordance, and you can look up slavery, find the instances of slavery in the Bible. There's Bible software. Study the word. So there was, there, and if you know anything about the history of American slavery, for sake of time, I'm not going to go into it today because we're celebrating. Amen? But the thought is, is that go and compare the two. Go look up the history of slavery. There are plenty of books out there, even from a Christian perspective, that talks about American slavery and, and the unfortunate response or lack of response that the Christians of the day had. And, and study it for yourselves to see the difference, to be like, wow. So the thing there, there so that it, understand that there was a difference. And it's, it's critical to understand that American slavery was not biblical slavery. Because in many cases in, in American history, Christians used the Bible to justify slavery. Scripture also states in Galatians 3.20, and I'm so glad that, that Pastor Hunter mentioned this this morning because the Lord woke me up real, real early this morning and and then have its Galatians all in the message now because Galatians 3.28 is another scripture we should focus on. I know you guys don't have it to see it, but you have your word. Galatians 3.28 reads, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And that one in Christ Jesus means equality. Amen? Amen. Wow, somebody's fast up there. Amen. All right. You go. Let me see if I can throw some others at you. Um, But but we're all one. That means we're equal. And and, in Christ is, is when you come into a relationship with Christ, when you're released to a life and to eternity with Christ, guess what? There's some things you cannot bring with you. And, and, and white supremacy or black supremacy or any other kind of supremacy, if it's not the supremacy of Christ, it cannot come with you. Amen? That's what we have to get to understand is we're going to walk in Christ. And there's some mistakes that, that, that our forefathers and, and previous members of our denomination, others have made in this area. So you might be sitting there saying, well, that's not me. I don't have to worry about that. But you have to recognize, go home and go to your private prayer closet and say, Lord, seek me. What is in me that doesn't belong? I don't have to talk about racism. It just could be anything. Because the goal for today and every day when we gather together is for you to draw closer and closer to Christ. That is the goal. And that means there's a pruning that has to take place. The plants that I grow and things I do now, I'm, I'm a kid from North Philly, so I'm the, this is all new to me out in the, in the suburbs growing stuff. But the thought is, is that as you prune it, it gives it a chance to grow. So there's some things in your life that you're going to have to let go of that are not of Christ, that is stunting your growth. Amen? And, and doesn't matter if you've had it for 40 years and it's been around before your wife and your kids doesn't matter. It's got to go. And today is that day for it to leave. Amen? And you do not have to do a cartwheel down this aisle and come tell me what it is either. You can go home to the Lord and confess it to him and say, Lord, remove it from me. I'm ready to let it go. 
So we have to get back and talk about the equality that's necessary, because we have to hold that here, that, that biblical slavery is not American slavery. American slavery is not biblical. And that scripture talks about equality. Because as we look back and look at our history and look at the history of Christians in America, we're like, why aren't we in so much better place right now? Why aren't we in such a better place? Because we should be leading the charge. Amen? We should, we as, as a Christian nation, as Christians who will want to take over a nation, is probably better why I should say it. Because we're not a Christian nation. Because I would be embarrassed to go to Christ and say, look at what we did with the nation that you created for you. No, we're not. But what we need to be able to do is lead the charge now to guess what? Lead people to eternal life in Christ. To proclaim the age of salvation. So going back in our continued history lesson, the thought is, is that uh, for Juneteenth, we talk about this a little bit, is that um, in American history, on January 1st, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln uh, signed into law the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing not all slaves, some. And as you go back and study the, 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 the study history, you'll see that it didn't apply to everybody else. It didn't apply to everyone. And something else that I found out several years ago is that Lincoln had a statement that he made in August of 1862, so several months before the Emancipation Proclamation, where he was answering a question with regards to slavery. I'm going to read what he says. Um, and this is from uh, Abraham Lincoln. He says, I would save the Union... I would save it the shortest way under the Constitution. The sooner the national authority can be restored, the nearer the Union will be the Union, quote unquote, as it was. If there be those who would not save the Union unless they could at the same time save slavery, I do not agree with them. If there be those who would not save the Union unless they could at the same time destroy slavery, I do not agree with them. My paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union, and it is not either to save or to destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do that. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps to save the Union. And what I forbear, I forbear because I do not believe it would help to save the Union. I shall do less whenever I shall believe what I am doing hurts the cause, and I shall do more whenever I shall believe doing more will help the cause. And, and it goes on, but, but the point of the matter is, is that, yes, the, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, and some uh, slaves were freed. But Lincoln wasn't doing it because he believed in Galatians 3.28. And that's some of the things we have to stop and understand and really understand and research is that there were abolitionists who were fighting during this time to fight against slavery. And you can be an abolitionist and still not believe in the equality of people. 
You can say, I believe slavery is wrong, but you can still, you can still be a white supremacist that is an abolitionist that doesn't believe in slavery. <clears throat> Let that sink in for a minute. What Christ is asking us to do and, and requiring us to do is to go all the way. Not just with a freedom of slaves and getting rid of a system uh, um, of chattel slavery, but to go all the way to equality. Amen? That is what the Lord requires. It's not me. Although I'm in agreement with it. Amen? That doesn't mean that me as a black person should believe that I can be better than anybody else either. It is equality. So the thought is, is that, so we have the Emancipation Proclamation. That's January of 1863. Fast forward or kind of, you know, double X speed. We're not going to go too fast forward. We're going to go to June 19th on this day in 1865. And that's when the Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, and announced the end of the Civil War and, in essence, released 750,000 slaves in Texas. This, for those doing math at home and out there, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Two and a half years after Lincoln signed it into law. This is what is celebrated on Juneteenth. This is why it's that Juneteenth is that combination of June and 19th coming together into Juneteenth. It is when others who had been freed and didn't realize it. Because what we have to understand is that a war still needed to be fought. Amen? Because sometimes, you ever in your house or if you're dealing with an issue, sometimes you can proclaim something. And it may be true, it may be right, it may be godly, but you still have to fight for it. Amen? The Lord told my wife and I a, a, a while back, probably six months, a year ago, that he was going to do what he's in the middle of doing. But as we're in the middle of just still a house to sell and a house to buy and jobs and a whole bunch of other situations we have to do, there's work to be done. Amen? So hold on to that, right? You have the Emancipation Proclamation, you have uh, Juneteenth, and, and something else because um, of where we are today. Um, and for the sake of context, just so you can get a sense of what's going on, so it's 1863-1865. 20 years before Juneteenth, in, eight, in May of 1845, guess what's created? A group of Christian churches, I and mean, a lot of them, come together to, to be on the side of slavery. They're pro-slavery. They, they have they're been battling back and forth with other Baptist churches. And so this group of Baptist churches come together in 1845 in Augusta, Georgia, to form, guess what? The Southern Baptist Convention. Created primarily for pro-slavery. Now, so you have this juxtaposition of them Pro-gospel, pro-slavery. Amen? I just want you to get the picture. This is not created. This is actual history. And so as we go through and we take a look at it, is, is that's 20 years before the Emancipation Proclamation. So as Christians, and, and guess what? Galatians 3.28 did not come out in 1904. 
It was translated into King James English 1609, something like that, right? And, and, and guess what? It, it existed almost 2,000 years before, right? So it, the scripture is not new. That equality is not new. And so the thought is, is and as I stand here right now, and, and Pastor Hunter explains, you know, all of what I'm doing, it's not lost on me as a black man in Southern Baptist life that I'm not only serving as a state director of missions for Pennsylvania, South Jersey, but I'm also serving as a, a doctor of ministry associate director for the, one of their seminaries. And I'm standing in an SBC pulpit on June 19th, celebrating Juneteenth, right? Don't tell me there's no conflict in my life, right? Amen? I, I just say, but God, amen? Because regardless of what he's called you to do, you have to walk and be obedient to what he's calling you to do. Amen? Regardless of where, it's, where you want to be or not. Amen? We often look at God and we just like think of God as like a multiple choice test where it's kind of like, where do you want to go? Do you want to go do this? Do you want to go do this? Do you want to go do what? What do you want to do? And we get you know, our little piece of paper and our two, two, number two pencil and we start filling, God, I want this and I want this. Like we're filling out a Christmas list, right? Amen? And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care and doesn't already know your heart because he hears you all the time talking about what you want and what you want, right? But how about we just take a time to just slow down and listen to what the Lord wants us to do. What does he require? Where does he want you to go? Where does he want you to be? And maybe, just maybe, we can adjust our wants to what his wants are. Amen? I think that's us becoming a little bit more Christ-like. Amen? So, so we're here now. We have the SBC history. We have the Emancipation Proclamation. We have Juneteenth. But it's not over, guys. I, I know it's getting time, but it's not over. Because guess what? Even after Juneteenth, we think, all right, it's good, right? Things are going to get better in this country. It's not over. The, the end of slavery comes, but they just, the, the laws are created primarily in the South, and they're called Jim Crow laws, and they're just created to be slavery. It's called slavery by another name if there's a book out there if you want to read but it continues because the Jim Crow laws just go through a process of creating and allowing slavery-esque, slavery light to continue. It, it still is not, it's still trying to go in the other direction. If Galatians 3.28 is this way, it is still trying to go in this direction. Um, Isabel Wilkerson, and it's a very, very long read, but she has an excellent book. It's called The Warmth of Other Suns. Um, and I'll do this now. Um, can you show a picture, please? It's Father's Day. And I want to show you a picture of my dad. Um, if he were alive today, he would be 102. Uh, he was 47 years old when I was born. And uh, born in 1920 in, Le in Leon County, Florida. Um, worked on a railroad for the Pullman service in Amtrak. Um, whoo, shouldn't have looked up there. Um, <laughs> served in World War II, fought for this country, came back home and was denied the GI Bill. This is my history. Uh, and, and 
we, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. There were parts of Philadelphia we could not live in because of the color of our skin. Um, and he fought faithfully just as well as anyone else. Couldn't go back to school. My, my dad had to fight with his dad who wanted him to share crop with him. And my dad wanted to go to college. And, and he got told no by his father um, because his father wanted help on the, on the plantation. And uh, then he got told no by the government after he was promised that if he went to go fight, he could come back and, and be able to do what he wanted to do, which was go to college. So he, he did make a life. He did continue. He owned a barbershop. He worked for the railroad for 44 years, retired well, um, raised up five children, married to his wife, uh, my mom, um, for over 40 years uh, until he passed away from cancer in uh, 1995. But I say that to you because it's real to me. You know, my mother's still alive. Uh, she, if Lord willing, if she makes it to August 31st, she'll be 100 years old. And, uh, and, and so I get stories, and she's still in her right mind, and she still tells me what I can and can't do. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, nobody calls me Clifford but her. Uh, but the thought is, is that I have my history from my parents who were able to not only, I'm going to read from a book for you, but they were able to allow me to, to still hear it firsthand from them of what it was like. You know, my, my dad's reality was he, he grew up, he was active in somewhat in politics in, in Philadelphia, and he was a Republican. And as a kid with an Afro, imagine that, right, in the, in the 70s, me growing up, I was just like, I'm starting to learn politics, and everybody else, all the other black people around me were Democrats. And I'm like, Dad, why are you Republican? And he said, Abraham Lincoln. Because for him, what happened in 1863 and 65 was important to him from a political standpoint. Because So just understanding history and something about my dad and celebrating him on Father's Day. But I'm going to read to you some of the things that um, my dad had to endure. Um, it says, these were the facts of their lives. And if you ever wanted to buy it, go to page 44. It says, there were days when whites could go to the amusement park and a day when blacks could go, if they were permitted at all. There were white elevators and colored elevators, which meant the freight elevators in the back. White train platforms and colored train platforms. This is Jim Crow. This is after slavery is supposedly gone, uh, what my dad had to deal with. There were white ambulances and colored ambulances to ferry the sick, and white hearses and colored hearses for those who didn't survive whatever was wrong with them. There were white waiting rooms and colored waiting rooms in any conceivable place where a person might have to wait for something, from the bus depot to the doctor's office. A total of four restrooms had to be constructed and maintained at a significant expense in any public establishment. And we, we complain about how many bathrooms people want to have now, right? But there were four, right? Because of segregation, because of racism, there were four. At a significant expense in any public establishment that bothered to provide any for colored people. One for white men, one for white women, one for colored men, and one for colored women. In 1958, a new bus station went up in Jacksonville, Florida, with two of everything, including two segregated cocktail lounges. There was a colored window at the post office in Pensacola, Florida, and there were white and colored telephone booths in Oklahoma. White and colored went to separate windows to get their license plates in Indianola, Mississippi, and to separate tellers to make their deposits at First National Bank of Atlanta. There were taxi cabs for colored people and taxi cabs for white people in Jacksonville, Birmingham, Atlanta, and the entire state of Mississippi. Colored people had to be off the streets and out of the city limits by 8 p.m. in Palm Beach and Miami Beach. 
throughout the South, conventional rules of the road did not apply when a colored motorist was behind the wheel. If he reached an intersection first, he had to let the white motorist go ahead of him. He could not pass a white motorist on the road no matter how slowly a white motorist was going and had to take extreme caution to avoid an accident because he would be likely to be blamed no matter who was at fault. 500 pages if you want to dive into that. But just the history. I could go on and on, but that is what we still have to understand. That was during Jim Crow. But it's not over. Because people still in the process now, as we, we have tried to replace Jim Crow, there's a new Jim Crow with mass incarceration. And it's built a lot around the 13th Amendment, where they, we find reasons and ways to be able to put people in jail that shouldn't be in jail. And then privatize that jail to be able to make money off of them. And there are a lot of ways out there you can read and research that. And so that's your history lesson. And yes, we're supposed to be celebrating, but we have to understand the history so we can understand what we're celebrating. Amen? And, and just if you're sitting there, you may be saying, well, you know, it, it's some, you know some of it was the culture of the day. Um, you know, owning slaves was just cultural. That everybody did it. I would say today, if I asked for a raise of hands, how many people were, were fighting against abortion? We, most of us would be raising our hands. Amen? If we were fighting against people being able to change their gender at a whim, most people would be raising their hands in the church to fight against that. Amen? So we're able to fight against the culture, right? We're doing our best, right? Amen? So I say we shouldn't be giving a Jonathan Edwards a pass to say, well, you know, it was part of the culture of the time when Galatians 3.28 still existed. He probably preached on it. That there was equality for us all. Amen? So, two last things here. Why should you celebrate Juneteenth? Yes, your, your, your brothers and sisters of the darker hue, you can celebrate with us because we go back and say, yes, we can see some progress. Was it a lot of progress in actuality? No, but, but at the time we thought it was, and we still celebrate it, amen? But, but the other thing you can celebrate it for is because here's what you have to stop and think of is that when there is a crime being committed against people, when, when there is, when my wife does a lot of ministry with human trafficking, and this is something I had to, we kind of came to grips with and understood, is that um, we, try to, we were trying to pray against women being caught up and men and boys and girls being caught up and being trafficked all over the world, and we want to rescue them. But guess who needs to be rescued? The traffickers. Amen? They need to be rescued because they're the ones who are perpetrating the sin. And and so God being about more than one sin, we need the the traffickers to come to know Christ. Amen? We need traffickers to walk in that because there are souls and lives that need to be saved as well, as well as the people they're doing harm to. Right? Amen? We run around from from a a pro-life standpoint fighting for saving the lives of the unborn but guess whose lives we must be fighting equally for? The ones who are having them. Did you ever think about it? Those are the people who you need to go proclaim an age of salvation to. Amen? Instead of condemning. 
because they need to come into the kingdom as well. And so when we talk about, hey, how to celebrate Juneteenth, and you can take the picture down. I'm going to get emotional if I keep saying it up there. Thank you. I think up there's dad. Um, but it, the one thing we have to look at is, is that when slavery was ended, when that system was torn down, it, it stopped an institutional practice that was led by a majority of white people in this country. But it gave them an opportunity to be able to come out of a sin that kept them separated and apart from God. Yeah. Amen? Think about that. Because if what we talked about earlier, if there was some, if there's some sin or whatever the sin is that you still continue to struggle with that's keeping you from your relationship with God, imagine having that to be released tomorrow or be released today. It's an opportunity for you to draw closer to Christ. So you should be celebrating Juneteenth just as much as we do. Amen? Because the thought process is that there's a, there was God at work doing more things than one, right? He was all about more than one thing. He was freeing those who were under, who was having sin um, done to them. At the same time, he's releasing those who were perpetrating the sin. Saying, hey, the system's torn down. You don't have to continue it anymore. And, and, and so today, if you're here you have a chance and an opportunity to continue to run towards Galatians 3.28 because Christ has already proclaimed the release of the captives. You are already free. You're free to serve a living God. You're free to move forward and just embrace it. So you say, well, how do I do that now? You know, what am I released to? What it means is that in the past, we, especially those of us who are Southern Baptists, have had a history of saying, okay, I'm going to uphold slavery, which is sin, and I'm going to uphold uh, or American slavery, which is sin, I'm going to uphold that at the same time I'm upholding Christ. So they had a kind of a Christ plus. And I say, what well, we need to do moving forward. You can't change yesterday. You can't change 1942 or 1888. We can't change it. There are no Christian time machines that have been created that allow us to go back and do that. But what we can do is how do we move forward knowing our history? And as we sit here as Southern Baptists, how do we move forward knowing that history? Knowing that's a horrible history to have. And that as we're talking to people about Christ, sometimes we don't want to say, they say, well, what denomination are you with? I'm Southern Baptist. <laughs> because with some of the things that have been happening with, because guess what? You don't have to answer the issues about sexual abuse and things like that and the mishandling of it and things that have happened because it looks bad. And guess what? It gets in the way of our witness of who Christ is. I want to talk to you about Jesus, but you want to talk to me about what, uh, I'll leave names out, but, but, but prominent people in our denomination have done. So the thought is, is that we have to, at the same time we uphold Christ, we have to uphold that equality. Amen? Because our denomination, we have been a part of us build, helping to build a system or allowing the system to be built with us remaining silent to be able to hold people that didn't follow Galatians 3.28, yeah. that the equality just wasn't there, that wanted to continue the good old boy network and they continue to, to treat women as less than, to continue to do everything that is not following Galatians 3. So it's important for us. You say, well, what can I do? 
You can, you can go and, like we talked about at the beginning, and proclaim the age of salvation to those. Yes, though, it's, it's about the gospel, but you have to also lift up the equality as well, because by doing that, you're able to help tear down that system that has been built over hundreds of years. And it's going to take time, but we need an army. Amen? Do we have an army? It's not a rhetorical question. Do we have an army? We are the army church. You, with where you are, all, where, we are the army of the Lord. We are able to go out and undo what was done. As we move forward, and whether we, we change our name or not, we're still able to move forward. You know, guess what? If nothing else, six months, a year from now, 10 years from now, I guess you're celebrating 150 years potential in a couple years, right? That people can say, yeah, I know what's happening with Southern Baptists, but not First Baptist Clarion. Or, or fill your name in the blank. Yes, they go to that church. They're part of that denomination. But I know the life that they live. I see their character. I see their faithfulness. I, see, I can see Christ through them. Amen? So as we move forward, those are the things we have to think of. And uh, I'm going to have to pay for lunch if I go much further. But... Um, <laughs> Just understand it, it's, as we celebrate Juneteenth, it, it is a celebration that is almost like Christ. It's, a, it's an already and not yet. Because while we celebrate it, while we take the time to recognize what, what, what the people in, in our past, what, what our country took was a step in the right direction, it remains a work in progress. Amen? And, and imagine if in another 25, 20, 50 years, let me pick a time frame where I still probably will be around. I want to be able to see a time where Southern Baptists are leading the charge for equality, where, where we're leading the charge for, for helping people come to faith in Christ, where we're able to do both. And, and, and guess what? If we start to do that, we can see a transformation in our country, and we don't have to even go out and vote one single time. God bless you. When Cliff was talking, he said, talking about what the Lord requires of us. It reminded me of Micah 6 8, where it says that the Lord requires of these things to, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And as we're challenged with this idea, with this framework of, of wanting to see equality in all areas of our life as we're walking in freedom in Christ. It requires us to do justice, to expect justice, to expect the justice all around us, to, to, to love mercifully and to, uh, to die to self. As, as Jason preached on a few weeks ago, the, the meism, we have to die to us to be able to care about the other, um, which is the joyfulness of celebrating today because um, it was because Brenda... 10 years ago that introduced Juneteenth to me and invited me on campus to the services and um, just being able to experience that, but to help to realize the freedom that we have in Christ. Freedom is, is not something that man created, it's something that God created. And um, so as we, as we close this morning, we're going to sing, Turn Your Eyes. And we're going to turn our eyes to Jesus as we walk forward in this walk in freedom and equality. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, the author and finisher of equality.
thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know who is listening. Text us at 814-334-8426. We would love to connect with you. Pastor Jason will personally answer your text. And, side note, he loves to answer your questions. So send him a question and he'll get back to you. Have a great week.